But if you got your Bibles, go with me. First Peter two. I don't have this one on the on the uh, overhead, so just uh, grab uh, your Bible if you can and look at this. We're going to pick up with where we talked a couple of weeks ago, and then uh, we'll look at some others. We've been talking about um, membership for the mission. And uh, really talking about how God's taking a group of, of, of people like ourselves in these uh, local committed fellowships and how he's uh, giving, putting us on a mission. And, uh, and so uh, we, just, uh, we just want to talk, continue on that today. And we were talking about that last week. And today we're talking about defining disciples, defining disciples, because we talked about in that message last week about how God's taking this, these groups of people and, and transforming the world through it and uh, how, he's, how he's changing the world through that mission. And uh, we said last week we were going to talk about defining discipleship. This is something that God really laid on my heart last year and uh, that, that I felt like we were going to uh, really get established on a firm foundation in our salvation and our faith, get beyond kind of our, our hurts and our healings, that uh, our hurts that we had hung on to, maybe not you, I had for a lot of years that I shouldn't have, let them linger a little too long, and it, and it kept me kind of out, away from people sometimes, and away from the mission that I'm supposed to be doing, kind of just trying to get myself all worked out and fixed, and and and, and God's really said to Brad, I, I, I'm, the world's being shaken, and I need you. I need everybody, all hands on deck, and, and it's time to move beyond yourself and, and move out into the mission with a group of people. People that I have for you. And so I, I, I had felt like we were going to get to some messages about the Great Commission and about being sent out. And uh, I stayed for a year or two on more of the other, on, on being sure of who we were in Christ. And you can go back and listen. We spent about a year on the covenant. I mean, we talked about covenant so much. You heard covenant, and you'll always hear covenant come out of here uh, about the covenant of Christ and the new covenant. But uh, but it feels like God right here at the end of the year is, is preparing my heart for just uh, uh, what he's speaking is, is, is now. And it's like, well, God, don't we want to do some Thanksgiving messages and some other things beforehand? And it's like, no, I want to I do it now. And I want at the first of the year us to just be ready to go and to do what he's called us to do. So last week in, in the scriptures, uh, we, we started out with a verse last week in 1 Peter uh, chapter 2. And we said this uh, around verse 4. It says, coming to him, as to a living stone, rejected indeed by men, but chosen by God, precious you uh, also as living stones are being built up into a spiritual house, holy priesthood to offer up spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. Uh, and, and therefore it is contained in the scripture, Behold, I lay in Zion a chief cornerstone, elect precious, and he who believes on him shall well, will by no means be put to shame. Therefore to you who believe he is precious, but to those who are disobedient, he's the stone that they've rejected and a, a stumbling stone and a rock of offense. Let me pray, and then we're going to talk today about defining what a disciple is. Father, we love you. We thank you so much, God, for this uh, body of believers. God, we thank you for the way that uh, people worship today. We are most gracious, God, for you 
Gracious to have, Lord, a church and a church family. Gracious to have, uh, Lord, the, the, the freedoms that we still have, God, before us right now. Uh, Lord, even though those are eroding, uh, God, uh, we're grateful for what we have, God. And we are so grateful for uh, the Word of God that, 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 that people have had, uh, n- never had a, a page of this Bible or maybe just had one page sitting in a, a prison somewhere. And God, we have this entire Word of God. That's available to us, and we are so grateful for the Word of God. So grateful for the teachers and 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 people in our lives, God. The the the, the podcast and the and the sermons and the various things that you blessed us with, God, to help us grow in our relationship with you, God. And we're 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 just thankful for those things. But most of all, we're thankful for you, God. We're thankful for the Holy Spirit. We're thankful, God, that you uh, that you have saved us and you you brought us out of darkness into your glorious light. And so, Lord, just speak to our hearts today. Change our lives through the Word of God. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So in 1 Peter, it's got to be more a little bit, maybe a little bit more teaching than it is preaching, but I feel like this is the way God wants us to go right here is uh, just to really, really help us to know uh, what it is to be a disciple. It, maybe you wonder, uh, do, you know, do you know that the word Christian, you know how many times, anybody guess how many times the word Christian is used in the Bible? Just somebody. Close. Three times. Three times. Three times the word Christian. Somebody want to get a stab at how many times disciples, disciple, the word disciple is used in the New Testament. <laughs> Close. 260 times. 260 times. I think 230 in the in the in the gospels. So the word Christian used three times, disciple is used 260 times. Wouldn't it be wise of us as Christians to know what disciple a disciple is and to know exactly what that means? And so uh, you see here in, in, in Peter where we talked about he is... He is making us into living stones. He is taking us and building us together into this, this, this house, this, it, building us in a powerful way together as a body. As a, he ta- calls us a building. He calls us a body. He, he calls us several things to try to give us this idea that we are, we are brought out of our individualism and we're brought into Christ and we're joined together in this beautiful way, all together as a people of God. And when he pulls us together, as we kept on reading in Peter, we we see that we are living stones and when we begin to be pulled together, that he gives us the power to resist the devil. He gives us the power to resist evil forces in this world. He gives us the power to overcome those forces. And, and when we see that roaring lion walking about seeking whom he may devour, he gives us power together and, and through the Holy Spirit to resist these things and to be able to stand firm in this world and overcome these things. Now, 1 Peter 5 we saw a couple of weeks ago. We, we, uh, uh, we saw where in 1 Peter 5 we, we saw how in this book, it's just simple, ordinary, local groups of people that are living mundane, ordinary lives and how God is doing something in the midst of that group. He is he, just in their work life, in their home lives, in their, in, their, uh, all, in their suffering. Everything that they're going through, we saw how Peter began to say, God is moving and advancing His mission in the earth this way. He's not getting in the Colosseum. He's not doing the big things. This is how He's chosen to advance 
and work this work all throughout the world. And you say, well, that was just Peter. No, we saw in Ephesians where Paul is doing the same thing. He's writing the same way. That these groups of local committed people with elders and people over them, shepherds over them, are beginning to pour and delve into the lives of these people. And he's advancing this mission and this cause throughout the entire world. And you say, well, that's Paul and that's Peter. No, Jesus stands up in Matthew 28 and he has taken 11 guys or 12 guys, one was a devil, and, and he has taken them and he, is, uh, he has done the same thing. He, he has begun to make disciples of them and now he has just poured into their life for three and a half years and now we see he's going to turn them loose into working out the, the mission of God throughout the earth and that's what it does. So God is working out a mission through this simple local committed relationships of being in one another's lives and advancing the gospel in this way. And it all centers around this idea of being a disciple and making disciples. Being a disciple and making disciples. Look at Matthew 28, verse 16, and I want you to look at what he says. Then the eleven disciples went away into Galilee to the mountain which Jesus had appointed for them. And when they saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubted. So Jesus has died. He has risen from the grave. And now all of a sudden he takes these 11 up to a mountain, uh, the Bible and it says, and, and, and he appoints uh, that he appointed them to go to beforehand. And when they saw him, they worshiped him. But I love this word and some doubted because it, it tells me that, that because as we go, we don't have this thing figured out. I mean, Nana has come in with a lot of honesty where she comes and says, on Wednesday night, I'm confused by all this, but is it okay that I know that Jesus is the only way? And we're like, yeah. Yes, you got it. You know, she's following Jesus and there's still some working out to be doing in her life. That's what Jesus did with these 11. He made disciples of them and worked these things out with them as he walked with them. Amen? And so they're here being commissioned and, and the Bible says that they're all there and they're, they're, they're believing but some are doubting here. And then uh, he, he begins to send them forth. Look at what he says in verses 18 uh, or, or verses 18 through 20 that he says there in Jesus said unto them, and he spoke to them, Now, all authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Go therefore and make disciples. Make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things that I have commanded you. And lo, I'm with you always, even till the end of the age. In, Ma in Acts chapter 1 and verse 8, there's a similar uh, conversation where he tells them uh, about in, in Acts 1 and 8 that uh, you will, you, you'll, be, you'll receive power after that the Holy Spirit has come upon you and you'll be my witnesses to me in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, to the utter ends of the earth. In other words, therefore, and that word disciples, the better word to say is make disciples, therefore as you go, in your life, make disciples. That's what he's really saying there. And he's saying here in a similar way in Acts 1, as you are going, starting from where you are, in Judea, in, in Samaria, to the uttermost parts of the earth. That's what I want you to do. So he, who is Jesus talking to, Joe, when he says, make disciples? Woo! Ding, 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 ding. Yes. He's talking to disciples when he says, make disciples. 
That's who he's telling. Make, be a disciple and then go and make disciples. That's the commission. It seems simple, but that is what it is. It's the call to be a disciple and to make disciples. We are partnered with other disciples partnered with other disciples here in this room, and we are to make disciples. And if, if that's the foundation, like I said, of being a Christian, then it seems obvious that we need to understand what it means to be a disciple. Because, look, I may have an understanding. A disciple is a, a pretty broad term. If we were to go around the room and say, give me a definition of disciple, I dare to say we would all have it coming from a different angle of what a disciple is. And so if we just go out with different understandings of disciple, what a disciple is as a group of locally committed people to one another and we say, hey, I say, ready, break, let's go make disciples. I'll be going like, Daniel, why are you going that way? I'm going to make disciples. No, no, because I have an idea over here of what disciple, he has an idea and we, we, we've got to come down to understanding what, what, what actually is it and kind of being on the same page and not assuming we all uh, have come from the same place so that we're not all going into different directions. Well, if you go to Matthew 4, 19, it's a great starting point for what does it mean to be a disciple. Look at this verse with me. Then he said to them, follow me. Follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. Follow me. That, that, that's the starting point. A disciple is someone who follows Jesus, and as we follow him, he transforms us. He transforms our life. In other words, we do not stay the same. He makes us, and then he, he call, that transformation causes us to go into his mission, which is to become fishers of men. Fishers of people. And that's what he's calling us to do. Follow me because I want to transform you. And there is a mission that I'm calling you together as my disciples to accomplish. And so here's a good definition that, of a disciple that I, I found somewhere that I, I like. And I think it fits and can fit for us. A disciple is a follower of Jesus Christ who is learning from Jesus. Trusting Jesus. Becoming like Jesus. And helping others to do the same. Okay, you ought to take a picture or whatever, write that down. Because that's as simple as it's going to be, get of what we want to do in the coming days. A follower of Jesus Christ who's learning from Jesus, trusting Jesus, becoming like Jesus, and then we help others to do the same. Now let's look at these, we want to today look at these four different elements. There's four elements there. If you caught it, four, four elements in this definition. So let's look at number one. A disciple is one who is learning from Jesus. One who is learning from Jesus. Now that word learning can be like student or, uh, and, and, uh, or learner, a student. Now that often conjures up, if you're like me, a good average C student or something, you know, back in the day, that conjures up like, oh, student, i got to be a student. You know, uh, uh, it kind of freaks us out. So a better word there, because it sounds like, well, like we're just sitting in our desk, looking up at a blackboard, and they're just teaching us, right? But a better word for this word is actually what uh, Corey is very familiar with in his work, and it's called apprenticeship. Apprenticeship, and that's what Jesus is really, that's what this word could really be likened to. It's a lifelong learner. It's someone who comes 
with me. It come alongside me. They learn from me. They work alongside of me while I'm going. In Mark 3, he eventually comes along and he designates to this group of people, hey, you're not just going to come alongside of me, but I am calling you apostles. Now, apostle just is a fancy word for sent one. Sent one. You could call a missionary sort of that, although there was a difference in these early apostles and some different things that went on in there that you that, that, that they did that, that with that title, but but it is a sent one, pretty much so. And so in Mark 3, he designates them, I'm going to send you out, but he says something interesting. Before I send you out, be with me. Before I send you out, you're going to spend three and a half years with me. You're going to come alongside of me as my apprentice, and you are going to do what I do alongside of me. You're going to learn from me. You're going to watch questions. You're going to ask questions. I'm going to let you do and make mistakes, and I'm going to, you're going to follow me. And it's a lifelong process of learning, and he is the one we're following, right? We're not turning people into followers of Brad, because if we get followers of Brad, and we get followers of Joe, and we get followers of Marcy, then we what happens? We become like the Corinthians that Paul has to write about and say, hey, I'm of Cephas. I'm of Paul. I'm of this one. Did I baptize any of you? Did I, did I do this? No. Follow Christ. And so Paul has to point him back. So what we're doing as disciple makers is we are making sure they are following the right one. They are following Christ. Follow me maybe. Be imitators of me as I follow Christ. But the one you're really following is Jesus Christ. And so he says, before I send you, be with me. Come alongside of me. Do what I do alongside of me. And, and be engaged in the mission of making disciples. So that's number one. Number one, you're engaged. You're, you're a learner. You're, you become a learner of Jesus Christ. Number two, a disciple is one who is trusting in Jesus. And that comes with two ideas. And those ideas are you have faith in Jesus and that faith in Jesus leads to faithfulness in Je- to faithfulness with Jesus, right? So Ephesians two eight and nine. Look at what it says. For by grace you have been saved through faith, and that not of yourself; it is the gift of God. Not of works, lest anyone should boast. Not of works, lest anyone should boast. He, he comes with this idea that, that faith doesn't leave us the way that we, that we were, are. Faith doesn't leave us in the condition when we start following Jesus. When we put our faith and trust in Jesus Christ, it, it begins to do something in our lives that, that brings us to a place of faithfulness in Jesus, with Jesus. It begins us to a place of seeking to live our lives in obedience to God. In other words, salvation is not a result of works, but the reason for our salvation is that God, before the beginning of time, might work His work inside of our lives, and He would bring His workmanship created in our lives unto good works. That we could be a display of what the grace of God can do. That when you put your faith in him completely and Him alone. It, 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 that, that His Spirit comes to reside inside of us and transformation begins to take place from the inside out and we begin to become faithful to God. If you want to be faithful to God, it's not by trying harder or by doing more. It's by putting your faith and trust in the right place. And that's in Jesus Christ and Jesus Christ alone. 
Faith in Jesus leads to faithfulness in Him. God prepared before so that you might walk in those gifts that we talked about. Look at what Titus 2 says. It says grace saves us and then it trains us. Grace saves you and then it trains you. Isn't that awesome? That's what grace does. Romans 1 and 5. Given grace and apostleship to bring about obedience of faith. When you have your faith in Jesus Christ, it brings about obedience as a result of that faith. Right? Listen to what he says in Romans 16, 26. According to the command of the eternal God to bring about obedience of faith. The obedience comes from our faith. It flows from our faith in Jesus Christ. It comes from our trust in Jesus Christ. It's like this. It's not, we're not perfect in that yet, but we're kind of like Peter. You remember where Peter was on the boat, or, or, and, and all of a sudden they're on the boat, and Jesus comes walking on the water in the storm, and he's about to pass them by. They think they've seen a ghost and all that. And, and all of a sudden, Peter, Jesus stops. They get his attention. He stops, and they And Peter says these words, Jesus, if it's you, let me come to where you are. He has faith and he puts his trust in Jesus because Jesus says, fine, Peter, come. And when Peter steps out of the boat, he walks on the water because he is trusting in Jesus Christ. That faith is producing something inside of him. But when he looks and takes his eyes off of Jesus for a few moments, all of a sudden he begins to sink and he has to yell out, Lord, save me. And Jesus saves him, pulls him back into the boat. And then Jesus does something very interesting. He gives him a report card. He gives him a a progress report, not to make him feel bad, but to tell him, hey, where you're at on this thing, on this discipleship, this apprentice thing that we're working out. Hey, Peter, good job. You exercised some faith, and that faith was put into action, but, but you took your eyes off of me, and you lost trust, and you fell. And that's what we do sometimes. Jesus Jesus says, you put it into action, but it was a little bit of faith. And and now, Peter, there's room to grow. There's room to grow in this area. There's room to grow in this apprenticeship. And I I, I trust Jesus. And I'm learning to be faithful to Him as I keep my faith in Him. And that's called discipleship. The third, number three, is disciples are becoming like Jesus. Number three. Remember what he told Peter and Andrew, follow me and I'm going to make you something different. In other words, when you follow me, you're not going to stay the same. Jesus said in Luke 6 and 4, he said, a disciple is not above his teacher, but everyone when he is fully trained will be like his teacher. Did you get that? A disciple is not above his teacher, but everyone when he is fully trained will be like his, like his teacher. The purpose of our apprenticeship is to become like our teacher. In other words, to walk step by step with Jesus. He is training me. He is developing me. We walk with him. We watch him close. We work alongside of him. That's why you got to read this book. That's why we're constantly trying to tell you we got a Bible program. You need to be in some kind of systematic study of God's Word. 
word, whether that, that's you in it there. You need to be involved in classes when you can be learning and growing. You need to be a part of other people's life. You need to be taking in the word of God because that's where we learn how Jesus walked. That's where we learn and we watch, we watch him closely. We work alongside of him just like the disciples did. And he's training us through this book and through the power of the Holy Spirit to become like him. In other words, becoming involves imitation and it involves transformation. We imitate him, and as we imitate him, we are transformed to be like him. Look at what Philippians 2 says. Have the same mindset that Jesus has and treat others like he did. That's what we're to be doing. We're to be walking alongside of him for the rest of our lives, learning of him and becoming like him. Philippians 2 tells have the same mindset. Philippians 3, keep your eyes on those who walk according to that same example. It's okay to take a look at other people who are walking like Christ and follow that example. Look, at that. I turn to teachers that I love and listen to them and preachers that I love and I glean from them. They're following Christ and I see clearly that they're following Christ and I follow them and watch them closely the way that they are an example of just what Jesus was. First Peter 2, Christ suffered having us and leaving us an example so that we might follow in his steps. Imitate him. You can't imitate him if you don't know him. You can't imitate him if you don't spend time with him. I can tell a Christian from a non-Christian, and you ought to be able to, because if you get around them long enough and start talking to them, they don't really know anything about him. Except little cliches they passed around on the internet or something they learned back in 1972 when they first got saved. But it's never advanced beyond that. Something they learned in children's church, but they've never got into the book. They've never walked with Him on a daily basis. They've never, they've never studied His Word. They've never meditated on His Word day and night so they can be like a tree that's planted by rivers of living water. They, so imitate Him. You've got to know Him. You've got to know what He did. Read the Gospels and watch Him and see learn from his life and try to learn to ask him to help you so that you can imitate him you can be transformed into what he is second corinthians 3 18 says this and we all with unveiled faces the veil is removed in christ if you know christ the veil gets removed and then you are beholding the glory of the lord and while you are beholding the glory of the lord you are being transformed into the same image and look what it says from one degree of glory to the other. Now, I'm like a perfectionist a lot of times, and I get disappointed a lot of times and feel like a failure a lot of times. So that last word, I had to really go back and meditate from one degree of glory to another. See, I want the big glory to come all at once. But I can look back on my life and see where God's just taking me from image to image and glory to glory, even by the Spirit of God. He's transforming my life little by little as I walk with him. As this lifelong apprenticeship goes on and I just continue to get into the book. I continue to hear sermons. I continue to follow him. The Holy Spirit is just at work transforming as I behold the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. I'm changed. I'm transformed. And it's a glory that Moses looked at the, the law and it, it faded. But they said, this glory is never going to fade. It's just going to get greater and greater 
greater and greater and greater until we see Him and we are like Him. We're changed and ended into this newness forever. And yet we still walk with Him after that. And we still learn of Him forever and forever and forever. The Holy Spirit is at work in His followers, transforming us into the image of Jesus. Galatians 5 says, If you live by the Spirit, then keep in step with the Spirit. We join the Holy Spirit in this work of transformation in us and in each other. And I think we've done it well trying to do it in us. But I think where I failed to do putting it with us is that we are a community together here and we need to do it in each other as well. Listen to what he says. You who are spiritual, when you see a brother or sister in Christ stuck or caught in a sin, join in the Spirit seeking to restore them in gentleness. In other words, join in with the work of the Holy Spirit. Don't come against the work of the Holy Spirit. Join in and trying for your transformation and everybody in this room's transformation. And that's why we come together on Sundays and Wednesdays because we are wanting to see our lives transformed. We're joining with the Spirit as we sing songs, as we, as we preach, as we teach, as we testify, as somebody gets up and says something they're gracious about. We are joining with the Spirit in, in help to try to make other people's lives uh, uh, better. This is why, and more like Christ, that's why we together we sing we pray we preach to provoke one another as the bible says to love and good deeds we want to spur you on to love and good deeds number four the last one we are helping others to be like jesus a disciple is someone fourthly who is helping others to be like jesus we are called to follow jesus christ um, so he can make us fishers of men. That's what we're trying to do. So he can make us fishers of men. We can become like him. We, our master is a disciple maker. He's a disciple maker, right? He made us and he made those 11 and he made others. He's a disciple maker and now his purpose is to make us like him and then after you become like him, you become a disciple maker and then elders, you get in a good church, a local church, you get with elders who are supposed to be there and they're wanting to equip you to be disciples who make disciples and then the mission is as a church together like here at Brookside Church of God, we all are are becoming disciples and making disciples and our goal is to walk by the spirit and participate with him in the transformation of our lives and in the lives of others now I said a lot and I said it quickly but I wanted to get to one last part and uh, it's not a quick part so don't think you're out of here but I want to flip to part two in fact are there any questions on that real quick let's just go different today we don't have to be all formal on Sunday well I want to look at Second part two is the discipleship pathway. Jesus, Jesus had a certain, so we learned there what, what a disciple is. A follower of Jesus who is learning from Jesus, trusting in Jesus, becoming like Jesus, and he's helping others do the same. And it happens when we give every individual an accurate picture of God by helping those who believe become fully devoted followers of Jesus Christ. We want to give them an accurate picture. We want them to look at the life of Jesus. We want them to pattern their lives as he walked and to become disciples. And then now Jesus comes along and he basically says, after you've done that, do with others what I did with you. And, 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 and so that's what we're to do. And so I want to take you, I want to take you real quick on this pathway 
this pathway of, um, of our discipleship. And I want you to look at it through the life of Jesus. And it really has three C's that are there. And it's not some kind of little catchphrase or something. You're going to see, I'm just saying it so you'll, you'll understand it and remember it. But he, he, he connects us and then we commit and then he calls us. Okay, we get connected and then we commit and then he calls us. And I want to show how this has worked out in the life of Jesus and his disciples. And you might be, we might all be at various places on this on this journey. And you need to kind of know this pathway so that you can identify where you are on the discipleship pathway. Because it's kind of what I'm doing now is kind of like a trail map. Anybody here ever go hiking? Yeah. You know those trail maps? Or snow skiing, the, tra- the map, because you, you know, and it's got the dot, you are here, thank God. Right? And, 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 and but you, you, we want to go here. So you can kind of tell where you are along the way and where we need to get to. And so Jesus has laid this out in his life with the disciples, if you can kind of follow it. And it, and it, and it comes together in this connect in this commit and in this in this uh, call, and I want you to see this real quick before we throw, before we close. So let's look at this idea of connecting real quick. Uh, Jesus burst into the scene, and John lays out John the Baptist lays out these amazing truths about him. Or, or no, excuse me, John the, John the Apostle, the disciple that wrote the book of John, lays out these wonderful truths. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was God, and the Word was with God. He, he, before we get to John the Baptist over here, he lays out some things for us about this one. Hey, he was born of a virgin. He was always in the beginning with God. He is God. And he takes us back to the beginning there. And then he burst on the scene right here in, in verse 35. And, 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 and he begins to say, the first word that John says, John the Baptist says, is behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. And look what he says in verse 35. The next day again, John was standing with the two of his disciples. And he looked at Jesus and he walked by and said, Behold the Lamb of God. And two disciples heard him and they followed Jesus. They followed Jesus. Now, look at verse 38. Jesus turned and saw them following and said, What are you seeking? And they said to him, Rabbi, which means teacher, where are you staying? And he said to them, Come and you will see. So they came and saw where he was staying, and they stayed with him that day, for it was about the tenth hour. I want you to notice something on this pathway to discipleship. Before calling this, them to this amazing mission that we're going to get to in Matthew 28, look at what he does. He, before calling them to do that, he simply says, he just says, come and be with me. Come and be with me. This is what I want you to do first in the discipleship pathway. I want you to come and check out the way I do ministry. I want you to come and, and see. And they did. They came along and they watched him do miracles. They watched how he dealt with the people. They watched how he, he, he did these certain things. As he taught, they watched how he confronted the religious leaders. They just simply came and watched. Come and see what I'm doing. You want to know what I'm about? Come and see. Come and follow me and watch what I'm doing. Now look at 
at verse 40. Andrew and Peter. So the whole front end of Jesus' ministry is simply come and see what I'm doing. I hope you'll go back and read the Gospels in this light. Come and see what I'm doing. Now look at verse 40. Andrew and Simon Peter are two particular ones named here. And I'm just using them because it's a good example here. Look at what it says. One of the, the two who had heard John speak and followed was Jesus. Uh, Jesus was Andrew, Simon Peter's brother. He first found his own brother Simon and said to him, he, We have found the Messiah, which is the Christ. And he brought him, he connected him, right? To who? Yeah. Okay. They're getting connected to Jesus first. And then they're finding out if other people are connected to Jesus. They may be connected to Jesus first. They may be connected to a disciple first. But if we're connected to a disciple first and we find out, hey, do you know who he is? No, I don't. We need to connect them to Jesus. And, and to disciples. And then to the local church. But right now, you see this, that there is this invitation. He brought him to Jesus. Jesus looked at him and said, You are Simon, the son of John. You shall be called Cephas, which means Peter. So there is this first invitation in the pathway to discipleship that you're simply inviting people, just come and see. Just come. Sometimes in our evangelism over Thanksgiving, we just, I, I just the type, I want to pound it down their throat. Right? Jesus died. He's buried. He rose again. You're going to burn in hell. Make a decision now. Jesus is saying, you want to know what I'm like? Just come and see. Come hang out. Watch what I do. Ask. See what I do. So for the first six to nine months, that's all he did. They came. They watched Jesus in all kinds of different scenarios. And they're watching his life. And, 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 and he's saying, don't just call me Messiah. Come and, and understand that I truly am the Messiah. Come and see it for yourself. So after about six or nine months of watching him and coming and seeing, he pushes them a little bit further on the discipleship pathway. And basically he says, I, need, I want you to commit now. And this is what needs to happen because some of us have sat for more than six to nine months. We sat for years and years and years and years and years and years in that first phase to come and see. And God is saying, I need you as a disciple at Brookside Church of God. I need you to commit now. It's time. You've watched and you've seen what I'm like now. You know I'm the Messiah. You've seen the kind of work Messiah does. Now I'm going to press you a little bit further. And at a certain point, he invites them more to just come and see. And that brings us to Matthew 4. And if you look at Matthew 4, this is, uh, this is six to nine months uh, after this, after coming and seeing, he's going to do something very interesting. I used to think this was the first day. And it always bugged me, and I didn't understand how in the world. But I want you to understand that something has already taken place. And look what he says. While walking on the Sea of Galilee, he saw the two brothers, Simon, who is called Peter, and Andrew, brother, casting their net into the sea. It was their family business, for they were fishermen. And he said to me, follow me now, and I will make you fishers of men. And immediately they left their nets, and they followed him. I used to think this was day one. This is six to nine months of already come and seeing. They've come and seen what he's like. Now he's pushing them a little bit further. And now he's saying I want to take you further. I want you to commit and I want you to come and lay down your nets. Leave your, your, your business and I want you to come and follow me and I'm going to make you fishers of men. And so 
He was going to now teach them to commit to him, to these other disciples. And eventually they'll become the local church or the church around the world and he's going to do that. And so in this time they walk with him before they're being sent. He is teaching them about the kingdom. He's teaching them the parables if you read the word of God. He's teaching them about prayer and how to pray. When you pray, say our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. He's beginning to, they're beginning to understand what it means to be a follower of Jesus. He's just bringing the classroom concepts to apprenticeship and they're just hanging out with him and he's showing Showing them what is, a, what is to be done in carrying out the mission that he's calling them to do. And then Jesus begins to push them a little bit further. You are about ready to do what you've seen me do. And look what he says in Mark 3 and 13. And he went up to the mountain. This is the pathway he's taken with these disciples. And he went up to the mountain and called to them those whom he had desired. And they came to him and he appointed the twelve whom he also named apostles so that they might be with him and he might send them out to preach and to have authority and to cast out demons. He's wanting them to commit. He's equipping them. He's equipping them now to say do what I've done. You've been watching me down. You've been learning from me. You've been doing it. And he calls them to a great commitment. The first six to nine months was come and see what is this. The very first thing that he does with them. And then he says, be with me. And then now he's saying, I'm going to send you out. Let's walk through this equipping process together. Let's get you ready because uh, to be the people that I intended you to be. And, and he's taking them along and doing different things with them like we see in John 6. Look at John 6. He brings them to hands-on ministry. This is what we failed to do in this church because what you've done is I've conditioned you to just look up here and let me dig out all the sermons. Let me dig out all the things in the Word of God. And then like a bird, let me come and regurgitate it into your mouth like little, little birds. But it's time that we move into the ministry ourselves. You've been walking with me. You've been being taught. You've been, you've been being apprenticeship. Now I'm equipping you. And I've done, not done the greatest job in equipping. And so that's what we're going to focus on in this new year is equipping and, and, and hands-on so that we're all doing the work of the Lord. Look at what he says in John 6. And this is the pathway. Hang with me. Not much longer. After this... What Jesus has been doing with these disciples. Jesus went away to the other side of the Sea of Galilee, which is the Sea of Tiberias. And a large crowd was following him because they saw the signs that he was doing with the sick. So they're seeing their apprentices. They're watching what he's doing. Jesus went up to the mountains, and there he sat with his disciples. Now the Passover and the feast of the Jews was at hand. Lifting up his eyes then, and seeing the large crowd was coming toward him. Watch this, equipping and hands-on. Jesus said to Philip... Where are we going to get enough bread for all these people? Now, now Jesus knows what he's going to do, and Jesus knows where to get bread. So he's doing this on purpose to teach people that are going to have to do this in the future to begin to think and begin to operate with him. He turns and says to them, what do you think we should do, apprentice? 
And he said this to test him, for he himself knew what he would do. Like I said with Corey, I'm sure that he's done it. I watched him apprentice my boys with electricity out there. And I've seen him test them to see what they would do in certain situations while they're playing with electricity so that they don't get killed. And Jesus now is turning and beginning to let these guys begin to learn a little bit about ministry. And so Philip answered him, 200 denarii worth of bread would not be enough for uh, all of these to get a little. And one of his disciples, Andrew, Simon's Peter's brother, said to him, There is a boy here who has five barley loaves and two fishes, but what are they for so many people? And Jesus said, Have the people sit down. Now there was much grass in the place, so the men sat down, about 5,000 in number. Jesus then took the loaves, and he gave thanks. He distributed it to them that were seated, and so also the fish, as much as they wanted. And when they had eaten to their fill, and he told the disciples, Gather the leftover fragments, and not Nothing may be lost. So they gathered them up and filled 12 baskets of the fragments from the five barley loaves uh, that they had left by those that had eaten. And when the people saw the sign that they had done, they said, This is indeed a prophet who has come into the world. Now imagine being there and you're splitting off bread, Raymond, and you're handing it to people after people after people. And you're beginning to say, Man, this discipleship thing is easy. Man, ministry is easy. What an amazing thing. I mean, every time I just stick my hand out, there's bread and I hand it to another hungry person and they're fed. But if you keep reading on down into John 6 and 6, uh, John 6, Jesus does something very interesting in this process. He begins to say, unless you eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink my blood, you have no part of me. And now they're saying, yikes! That's not a good evangelism message, Jesus. What are you doing? And then all of a sudden, many began to leave one by one by one. We're not going to be his disciple. We're not going to be his disciple. We're not staying around. Until he finally turns to Peter and the group and he says, do you want to leave too? And something we learn in the discipleship process is some of the things that Jesus is going to ask us to do along the way we are not going to understand and they are going to be very difficult and we don't have to fully understand because Peter turns to him and says, hey, I I don't know what you're doing. I really don't get everything, but where else can we go? You have the words of eternal life. And there comes a point as a disciple and a believer in Jesus where you say, I don't have to know everything, but I've chosen to go fully in and I'm your disciple and I'm with you for the long haul and even if we go through some difficult times Jesus I don't have to fully understand but I'm pressing on as a disciple of yours you have the words of life and they clung to him and he equipped them and and, and you don't have to fully understand but you keep going a disciple keeps going they continue to keep going Uh, uh, they, they go on and they go on we're with you we're with you show us help us to see help us to understand what's going on and so Jesus is doing all of this and he's pouring them in them and he's taking them on this pathway Russell because he's about to leave them and he knows they've got to be ready and that brings us to the last point on the, on the process. 
He connects them. They commit. He equips them. And then He calls them. And He brings them to this last place where all of a sudden, finally, Jesus calls them to Himself after He has died. After He's been in the grave three days. After He has rose again. He calls them to this mountain. The angel told them, after He's risen, come to this mountain in Galilee. And now 11 of these guys who have walked with Him as apprentices, they have asked Him questions. They've seen His life. They have been transformed by watching and seeing his life. They haven't stayed the same. They have been changed by this as they walk with him. He's equipped them. He sent them out two by two and given them authority and power to cast out demons and to preach messages and to come back all giddy and excited and giving them hands on to try to figure out things like on the sermon there, uh, right there. And all of a sudden, now they come down to this place where he's died. He's buried. He's rose from the dead and he's about to leave them. And all of a sudden he comes to these 11 with these words and he says and Jesus said to them all authority in heaven and earth has been given to me go therefore and make disciples of all nations baptizing them in the name of the Father and the name of the Son and the name of the Holy Spirit teaching them to observe all that I've commanded you and behold I'm with you always even to the end of the age and what Jesus is saying now I'm going to unleash you and I've come And I've fulfilled what I was supposed to do. And all authority now in heaven and earth has been given to me. I have defeated sin. I have defeated Satan. I'm the resurrected king who reigns over all things. And now I'm handing it over to you. But I have prepared you. And I'm telling you what, Church of Jesus Christ, in 2022, we are still the people that the baton is being handed down to. And we can't sit on our laurels when we've been called to be disciples and to make disciples of all the nations of the world. Amen? And he said, this is what I'm doing now. I'm leaving and I'm putting it on you, but you're prepared. And in fact, just to show you you're prepared and just so you'll know you have power, he begins to say the Holy Spirit in Acts 1 is going to come upon you and you will be receive power when the Holy Spirit does come upon you and you will be my witnesses throughout Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. This is how you're going to spread this message and this ministry all over the face of the earth, not by might nor by power, but by my spirit says God and it comes from you being connected look at that last slide connected connected this is what we're going to do I hope in the coming year you're going to connect people to Jesus you're going to find some people are connected to a church but they're not connected to Jesus you need to connect them to Jesus You're going to find some people have been at a local Starbucks connected to disciples, but they're not connected to the local church or they're not connected to Jesus. You're going to connect them to Jesus. You're going to find some people are connected to Jesus, but they're not connected to other disciples and they're not connected to a local church. And that's not right either. So the first part of discipleship is to be connected to those three things. And this is the pathway you need to find out where you are right now on. And once you're connected to those, He invites you to be disciples. And then you commit. You commit to Jesus. You commit to these other disciples. You commit to the local church. And then you, you be, you're equipped to make disciples. And, we, and you're unleashed as disciple makers. In, in your calling, you use your gifts, your passions, in proportion to your maturity and, compa- and capacity. That's so why we just went through the gifts of the Spirit. They ought to be in operation amongst us. 
that will be flowing through our lives. We're all different. We all have different gifts. We all have different callings. Some come in here and they're able to make us laugh like crazy for all us serious folks who can't laugh and come here so downtrodden and downhearted. I need somebody in the body to make me laugh and realize God's fun. But sometimes those need a a serious-minded person, you know, to come alongside. We have gifts for each other that that we can help one another in our proportion to to, to where we're at. And so so I hope this helps us today to kind of see where we're headed. And I want you to really, really see where you are on this journey. And then Paul follows and ends with saying, follow me. Be imitators of me as I follow Christ. As I follow Christ. And so, so I hope you'll go with me kind of on this journey of, of, of recognizing that we as believers are disciples. But we got a second part of that that's a command, and it's not optional. You are to make disciples. And we're going to do our best to teach what that means. Not some program thing, but how it flows out of the life of a believer. That as we go, as we're sitting at our table, as we're, we're, we're going during the holidays, that, that, that the Spirit leads us, just as He led people in the book of Acts, to, 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 to come into contact with people. And we show them a wonderful Savior, a wonderful God that wants to save them and love them and redeem them ah, and give them eternal life. And God needs you. He needs you in that. He needs you to be a soul winner. A man who wins a soul is wise. A woman who wins a soul is wise. Ask yourself that question. Have I ever won a soul to Jesus? To be honest, I had not seen too many soul winning in America lately. At least not around here. Let's win souls. Let's win souls. I hope your faces aren't a reflection of your excitement to win souls. (laughs) Let's win souls. Amen. Hallelujah. Father, we love you. We thank you, God. We thank you, Lord, for salvation. God, we thank you, God, that you connected us. You connected us with you. Just like like on that pathway, God, where all of a sudden John the Baptist looks and says, Behold, the Lamb of God, he connected them to Jesus. There's the one who takes away the sins of the world. And Lord, we need to connect people to Jesus. Oh, and then they were connected to other disciples. And then, Lord, oh, what a beautiful, beautiful process. What a beautiful pathway. And then they committed. Oh, they committed their lives to you. They decided, hey, I'm not walking away. I don't have to get it all, but I'm not walking away. I'm in it. And I thank God the people here at Brookside, Lord, the ones that are going to walk away have already walked away. Lord, this group right here is a remnant. And I I believe we're committed. Where else can we go? Where else can we go? You have the words of eternal life. And then, Father, but I believe this year it's time, Lord, that that you're going to help us to equip speedily. And then we're going to be, we're going to, we're going to, we're going to go. We're going to go, God. We're going to go into the world with the, with the gospel. We've done that, but I want to go, Lord, even, even more aggressively because we know the time is so short and your coming is so soon. And so help us to be ready, Lord. Help us to be prepared, Lord, in Jesus' name. And Father, I just pray, God, in a closing, Lord, we we do mostly altar calls all the time. If there's someone who doesn't know you, has not been connected to you, 
God, please, I, I pray that they will come to another believer in this room or to me this morning. And Lord, say, how can I be connected to Jesus? And Lord, if, if, if there's someone here, God, that, that uh, Lord, that just the rest will find out where they are on that, on, that, on that discipleship pathway. And they'll be like that trail map. I'm here, but you're trying to take me here. And so, God, that we would move from that place, God, uh, of, of where we are and get to the place where you want us to go as the church. And that's what your mission to take this gospel to the, to the four corners of the earth, God. We love you. We praise you. We give you the honor. We give you the glory in Jesus' holy name. And everybody said amen.